0: Hello, people of the way, blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 5, the book of Judges chapter 5. We continue our study through the Old Testament. And here in chapter 5, the book of Judges, verse 1, then Deborah and Barak. you know, I love this duo so much. I'm so in love with this duo because you have each buttressing the other. Now, if you're listening for the first time, make sure you go back and you listen to our study from Judges chapter 4 because it's very important to have this understanding because what happens as is written here in verse 1, you know, Deborah and Barak, this beautiful, beautiful duo, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day. You see, it's we have victory now. In, chapter four, in Judges chapter 4, we see the The build-up to this point. And I say build-up, but it's, it's sad because what happens is the Lord became forgotten. And, you know, he became forgotten, but at the same time, who was it that retained the Lord in their mind, in their heart? And you see the beauty, the beauty, glorious, glorious beauty of Deborah. Deborah and how she served as like jumper cables, just like we studied on Sunday through our, our study about faith, just as we studied about faith, how, you know, jumper cables, how, you know, the faith of one can help another, which can help another, which can help a group, which can help a body, which can help an assembly. And it's so beautiful when we have these Old Testament examples of the very truths that we live today. And so look what happens here. Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, saying on that day, understand there was oppression upon Israel. I mean, in chapter four, we, we looked at this, we studied this, and there was oppression upon Israel, but we know why. We know why. It's what happens when God becomes forgotten. And through Deborah, who was on the right frequency, remember, and she herself serving as jumper cables to Barak and Israel goes to war with the right formula. You see? There's a specific reason why we stress formula, 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 recipe, 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 because it's got to be right. And these are things that we learn as we grow, as we mature in Christ. We learn righteousness. And, you know, growing and maturing in Christ, there's a lot to learn. A lot to learn about the truth of God's holy word, a lot to learn about denying self, reckoning the old man dead, reckoning the old woman dead, Learn a lot to learn about dying in Christ. You know, when Paul says, you know, I am crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. When he says that, see, a lot of Christians, they say that, oh, look, I'm crucified with Christ, I'm crucified with Christ. But then when you look at the fruit, you're like, well, wait a second. This guy says he's crucified with Christ, but you know, what's up with the crack? This lady says she's crucified with Christ, but you know, what's up with the chakras and the crystals? What's up with the yoga? You see? And it's like, well, wait a second. He says he's crucified with Christ. She says he's crucified with Christ. And it's not like we're like the arbiters of, you know, like, okay, you know, thus saith the Lord, then, you know, you will burn in hell. No. You see, nobody can, only the Lord can do it. We're not the cream, though. Remember, there's three derivatives. There's crino, but then there's multiple derivatives of crino. The two biggest ones are anacrino and diacrino. It's where we can't crino and say, okay, you know, you you, you do your crack, you're going to burn in hell. You know, you do your yoga, you're going to burn in hell. No, nobody can do that. Only Jesus. He's the only one. But somebody wants to do their crack. Somebody says, oh, I'm crucified with Christ. Come on, let's go do crack. No, we have, then we can anacrino and diacrino, which is where you and me, we make an assessment and say, okay, this guy He says he's a Christian, and so, okay, and, you know, you look at the fruit, and it's like, okay, so he's carnal, and, you know, he's not a baby. He's been a Christian for, you know, 10 years, 20 years, and there's this lady. She does her crystals, her yoga, and she says she's Christian. She says she's crucified with Christ, and, but, you know, she's been walking with the Lord for 20 years, and, okay, now we have a choice to make. Now you have a choice to make. You see, the ball was in their court. The ball was in their court, whether or not they, whether or not they choose to align with the Lord. And now, when we look at the fruit, okay, now the ball is in our court, where you and me we can say, you know what? I'm sorry, I love you, but that's leaven. You see, somebody says, "Oh, okay, you know, I'm crucified with Christ." And you're like, "Wait a second, I don't, I don't see crucifixion. I don't see the crucifixion. Oh, judge not, lest you be judged. No, this isn't crino." I'm not saying you're gonna burn in hell this is Anacrino where you make your choice now I have to make an assessment and I'm making my choice this is diacrino where we make this assessment and so d- the 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 determining the the uh, uh, the course of action is now I'm gonna separate you and me we're gonna say you know what this guy over here he wants to do his crack this lady over here she wants to do her crystals and her chakras okay they made their choice now you and me we say okay we're gonna make our choice We're going to separate remnant. If the leaven wants to be leaven, okay. Look at, you know, you know, uh, brother, you want to do your crack? Okay. Sister, you want to do your, your crystals, your chakras? Okay. You make your choice. But now I'm making my choice. Now you're making your choice. And we separate. You see, that's the remnant. Now, if you're listening for the first time, you might be like, you know, like, wow, that sounds kind of cold hearted. Go back and listen to our studies through first Corinthians. You'll understand more because that's precisely what Paul says to the saints in Corinth. He says, you know, first Corinthians chapter one, you know, you guys are saints. Everybody, you guys are saints. Praise be to the Lord. Chapter two, you guys are saints. Praise be to the Lord. Chapter three, you guys are saints, but your babies, your milk drinkers. I wish I could give you the the, the spiritual porterhouse and the spiritual pork chops. But no, we got to go to milk. We're we're on the bottle because you're carnal babies. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, you guys are saints. But then 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, now remnant. He says, uh, you're rejoicing. It's not a good thing. You're rejoicing. It is not a good thing. Picture that. Picture that, where Paul, he says to Christians in their gathering, in their assembly, hey, you guys, you're rejoicing. It is not a good thing. You know how many people would kick Paul out of the church? You know how many people would shred his letters? How dare you say that we're rejoicing? Look, we're coming in the name of the Lord. And how dare you say that this is is not a good thing? How dare you? You're so judgmental that Paul never says you're going to burn in hell. Paul never said that. But he does say remnant. Well, he says to everybody, he says, your rejoicing isn't good. And then he says, remnant, separate from the leaven. They want to do that? Okay. They made their choice. Now, remnant, you make your choice. If they want to dishonor the Lord, if they don't want their lives to be a sweet aroma, okay, they make their choice. But as for you, now you make your choice. Your lives as a sweet aroma unto the Lord, sacrificially offering of self unto the Lord. And with the separation, okay, now let's get you cleaned up. They want to live that way. They want to behave that way. Okay. You still, you know, they're still brothers. They're still still sisters, but because of their carnality, you see, because of their carnality, Remember in Thessalonians, Paul says, you can't say, you know, don't, don't say that they're not a brother. Don't say that they're not a sister. But at the same time, you have a choice to make. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one who's going to determine, okay, you know, you're going to burn in hell or, you know, you're a baby, you know, or whatever it is, you know. It, it, the Lord is the one who's going to make that credo, that judgment. But as for you and me, we have a choice to make. Now understand, you know, babies are babies and with babies, there's the behavior of babies. And, you know, in the case of Corinth, they were three years arrested development for three years, no maturing in Christ. And so for me personally, I kind of use that as a barometer. You know, somebody's, you know, uh, exemplifying works of the flesh. It's okay. How long you been a Christian? Now, if they say I've been a Christian my whole life for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, it's like, okay, you know, you know, I'm going to separate from you. If somebody says, well, I just became a Christian last week. I just became a Christian, you know, last month or six months ago. It's like, okay, then then you're a baby and this is the behavior of babies. And now we have to grow. We have to mature. You see? And so we make that. That's anacrino and diacrino. We make these assessments. And it just blows me away so much because, you know, there's a specific formula. Righteousness. What we learn from the word of God and not just learn, but what we apply from the word of God. What we learn in the word of God and applying the word in our lives, in my life, in your life, you and me together choosing to apply the word of God in our lives. I mean, we see victory in Israel in Judges 4. We see victory, but the whole chapter is not victory. The beginning of the chapter is oppression the end is victory so what happened in between in between oppression and victory what in the world happened and the same can be said you know between victory and oppression what in the world happened well the lord was either remembered or he was forgotten when he's remembered victory when he's forgotten oppression you see and so we and Praise be to the Lord in Judges 4. We see the beauty, the glorious beauty of beautiful, 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 beautiful Deborah. I'm so in love with her. She's beautiful. And then you see victory. Israel is victorious. And now we see this rejoicing in chapter 5. Deborah and Barak, the two, the two. Singing together and this is what they said in verse 1 they sang on that day saying in verse 2 when leaders lead in Israel You know look at the restoration that has happened Look at the restoration that has happened I mean when you look at judges 4 and here we are in judges 5 and you know when the leaders Lead when they actually lead I Mean when you look at the the early church And if you remember our studies from, you know, the book of Acts and all the way to, well, all the way to where we're at in Hebrews, but I mean, like, you know, from time to time, you hear us make the juxtaposition with Corinth and Philippi. And you look at the problems in Corinth when you make the comparison of Corinth and Philippi and the comparison of Galatia and Philippi, you start to see, wow, Philippi, that's like a model church. That's a church that is, you know, like a model church for emulation. That's a pattern church. I mean, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, you know, the saints in Corinth, to the Galatians, he says, the saints in Galatia. But to Philip, he says, you know, to the saints in Philippi, along with their teachers, along with their pastors, along with the overseers. Why did he exclude the, the leadership from Corinth and Galatia? Why? Then you see in Philippi, there's the inclusion of the teachers and the pastors, the ministry leaders. You start to see, wow, Philippi. You don't see Paul make mention of the works of the flesh to fill that. There's still warning, you know, and the warning against the works of the flesh, but addressing works of the flesh in terms of like the Corinthians, like they were, they were actually doing the works of the flesh. You don't see that in Philippi. In Galatia, which was a return to the law, a denial of the, uh, the, uh, 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 the law of Jesus Christ. And when I say the law of the Jesus Christ, remember from Levi to Judah, from Aaron to Melchizedek, which necessitates a changing of the law. I speak of the law of faith, which is in Christ, the new covenant. And the Galatian saints, they wanted to go back to the law because the preacher guys came into town. Pseudadelphos, the fake brothers. Pseudo, false, fake. Adelphos, brothers. The false brethren, they came into church. Oh, you guys are Christians. You guys are Christians. Praise be to the Lord. But let me tell you how to be super Christians. Okay, now every, all the males got to be circumcised. Now we got to do the law of Moses. And now we got to observe this feast and the festivals and the Sabbaths and all these things. We got to do this if you want to be the super duper Christian. And Paul caught wind of that. What in the world? And when he writes the letter, he says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from Jesus. see, but oh, when the leaders lead the pastors of Philippi, the teachers of Philippi, the elders of Philippi, praise be to the Lord. They're not, they're definitely not defunct. Definitely not defunct. Where you find the defunct, that's Galatia and Corinth. If the overseers in Philippi were the standard, we wouldn't see the stumbling that we see in Corinth and Galatia. Remember, leadership matters. Remember the love-hate relationship that we mentioned when, you know, we opened up, we started our study in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and wow, I have this love-hate relationship where I love, I love the saints, I love the, the word, and I love, I love all of it. But the hate side of that relationship is, man, I hate the works of the flesh that we see. But what about today? We see the exact same thing, the works of the flesh. Oh, but how beautiful it is when the leaders lead. When godly leaders lead in godliness. Now, it's not for puffery or self-aggrandizement. But as a pattern for emulation, just as the Bible tells us. You see, the Bible tells us about these patterns while also telling us about the imposters. But oh, when the leaders lead. Let's look at verse 2 here in Judges chapter 5. When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. You see, when you look at verse 2, who do you see? You see leaders, you see the people, and then you see the Lord. The leaders are leading. The people have learned to willingly offer themselves. And the Lord, he receives praise. You see, the formula is restored. The formula is right once again. Verse 3. Hear, O king's exclamation point. Give ear, O princes, exclamation point. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord, God of Israel. Now, remember chapter 4. In Judges chapter 4, no one had ears. No one had ears except Deborah. And then here in chapter 5, verse 3. Hear, O kings, hear, O princes, exclamation point. Deborah here, you know what she's doing? She's calling out the men. She's calling out the guys, the men, kings, princes. She's calling them out. Because when she says, when the the song here says in verse 3, hear and give ear, how that translates in the Hebrews, open your ears and understand. Open your ears and understand, O kings, O princes. Remember verse 2, but when the leaders lead... Praise the Lord that she had ears to hear. And it's kind of sad because it, it didn't have to get to the point of oppression that we see in chapter 4. It didn't have to get to that point. At all. I mean, had the leaders been leading, it wouldn't have got to that point. Remember, under the leadership of Joshua, you don't see oppression. Under the leadership of Joshua with those, with the elders, you don't see the oppression. Why? The formula is right. The leaders were leading. Leadership matters. But then when they died, they got old, they died. And then all of a sudden, the next generation, they grew up not knowing the Lord. Think about their grandkids and grandkids and grandkids and grandkids, generation upon generation upon generation that doesn't know the Lord. But how beautiful it is, not just when the leaders lead, but Deborah, she made her choice. You see, she made her choice. I mean, when all Israel was defiled, who wasn't? We see Moses, Joshua, who made their choice? Joshua, Caleb, you see? Phineas, all these beautiful, beautiful people. By faith, remember our study on Sunday. It just so happens, it just so happens. That inner chamber of faith where they could see from a distance, they could see Messiah. I meant Joshua worshiping an angel? Had it not been Jesus? That's death penalty. Why is it that Joshua worshiped an angel and lived, got to live? It's because the angel who he was worshiping was capital a jesus commander of the armies of heaven commanders commander of the armies of the lord and you have beautiful deborah here pay attention kings men pay attention princes men i i sing to the lord in verse three i i sing praise to the lord god of israel And she's calling them out. And something so beautiful about Barack is his humility. Because he never said, okay, step aside, woman. You know, Deborah, you know, thank you for what you had to say. And thank you for your counsel. Okay, step aside. Let's let the men handle the situation here. Let's let the men go to war. Let's let the men handle this. No, you see his humility. Humility. He doesn't say step aside. You're just a girl. You're just female. Oh, you're just a woman. You know, look at your little noodle arms. You're just little tiny. And look at me. I got the big muscles and everything. No, you don't see that. Not with Barack. You see that with some stupid men in the Old Testament. You see that with some stupid men, New Testament. You see that with some stupid men today. In Christ, there is no male, female. There is order. There is structure. With Barack, you see just the opposite. He says, you know, there's going to be war. He says, you know what, Uh, uh, Deborah, I'm not going without you. I'm not going without you. Praise be to the Lord. It reminds me of Paul. Paul and Chloe and Lydia, Priscilla. You see, Phoebe, these beautiful, beautiful women on the front lines of spiritual warfare. And praise be to the Lord that we have these Old Testament examples, New Testament examples. But where are the examples today? Where the men, you know, oh, you know, look, we're men. We're supposed to be the leaders and look, we're so awesome. And, you know, oh, look, I'm husband and wife. Submit to me, submit to my authority because look, it's, 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 listen, coverings always male. Always male. The ultimate covering is Jesus Christ, who is male. Very important to understand. Women, wives, when husband goes into crazy town, when husband becomes stupid. It's not to say, okay, you're stupid. I'm going to file for divorce. No. You hold on to your husband because you might save him. You in submission to the better husband, capital H, which is Jesus Christ. Carnal husband, lowercase h spiritual husband capital h jesus christ and you submit to him you see husband wants to be stupid okay he made his choice i mean when if, if, like sexual sin that's when we get into divorce territory where you know there's the 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 the, the lord gives that's an a, a door that's an option divorce he hates divorce And a lot of wives get taken on guilt trips where it's like, well, you know, the the husband says, well, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, well, okay. You're sorry because we're, we're caught with another woman, with the strippers, with the prostitutes, with the pornography, and now you're caught. And sometimes it's even ministry leaders, pastors, which they disqualify themselves. And yet they attempt to go into the ministry There's a very, very, very specific formula. You know what to look for. I mean, if you're listening for the first time, you're like, well, wait a second. I don't know what to look for. Go back and listen to the pastoral epistles. Everything's housed for you. The way Everything is archived for you. Go listen. It's for you so that you can understand You see, so that you can grow and mature in Christ and become deadly in Christ, the good deadly. You see, and a lot of women get taken on the guilt trips. Oh, you know, the, the pastors, you know, oh, pastor, we seek counsel. We need marriage counseling. We we need marriage counseling, pastor, to a, a pastor who's on his third marriage. It's one thing to be on a third marriage. And now, biblically speaking, if a pastor's on a third marriage, the other two wives, they better be dead. They better be dead. Because death is the only thing that can break that. Remember the study we had in Romans? Pastors, oh, I'm on my third wife. Oh, I'm so sorry for you, that your previous two losses. Wow, you know, and oh, no, no, no. We had irreconcilable differences. Okay, have a nice day. You call yourself pastor, but you're disqualified. I'm out of here. You see? But then you have these stupid men, pastors. Oh, I'm the pastor. You have to, the Bible says you have to submit to my authority. You see? Listen, the Bible does say submit to your pastor. The Bible does say that. But the Bible it is also written, what is a pastor? Because you could have a pastor on his third marriage and he's going to the prostitutes and the strippers and, you know, the uh, 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 the Ouija boards, the casino, you know, all kinds of different things. And the Bible does say, you know, submit yourselves to your pastors because they watch out for your soul. And this guy calls himself a pastor. But will you submit yourself to such a fool? No, you cannot. You must not. You are forbidden from doing that. The Bible doesn't permit you to do that. You see? But as is written in Hosea, nothing new under the sun, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So husband and wife, oh pastor, we need marriage counseling. We need marriage counseling. Oh, you're on your third marriage. Surely you must know. You, you know, you've been around the block a little bit, Pastor. Surely you must know the rope. So teach us your ways. Oh, Pastor, you were on your third marriage and your other two wives aren't dead. Teach us your ways, Pastor. The Bible says we have to submit to you. So we're going to submit to you, Pastor. And the pastor says, okay, wife, it's your fault. Look, you're little chubby, you're wrinkly, and your husband has his problem with pornography because it's your fault, wife. Your husband went to the strippers because it's your fault, wife. Your husband went to the prostitutes, and you know, girl number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, because it's your fault, wife. Because look, you're chubby. Because look, you're wrinkly. Because you're getting old, your hair is falling out and you don't wear makeup. And you know, wow, I saw your picture when you were 20 years old. And I look at you now and wow. And you know what? I don't blame your husband. Stupid, 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 wicked men. Wicked men. Let me tell you something to my beautiful sisters in Christ. There is absolutely, absolutely, and I tell you the truth, there is nothing more gorgeous and beautiful than righteousness. Nothing. And I don't care what you look like. You see? You can be chubby, wrinkly. You can, you know, you get older, your hair is going to fall out. Nothing more beautiful than righteousness. You can be chubby. Nothing more beautiful than righteousness. You see? The dresses don't fit anymore. Nothing more beautiful than righteousness. You get in a car accident, you lose your legs. Nothing more beautiful than righteousness. You have scars. Nothing more beautiful than righteousness. You see? But then you have wicked men at the pulpit. They're disqualified. Oh, wife, your husband has a problem with pornography because of you. You let yourself go, look, you know, go to the gym, work out. Oh, look, you don't dress like this anymore. You got to keep him interested. You got to keep him interested. So you got to dress like this. You got to look like this. You got to, you know, do the makeup and all this. Wicked, wicked fools standing at the pulpit giving counsel. But oh, when the leaders lead, when the leaders lead in the church, when the formula is right you'll have a pastor that will teach you about the ways of righteousness. The ways of our Lord. The ways that lead to paradise. But the ways of the fool, they also speak. You have to discern. You have to discern.
1: You see? And
0: with Barak, and Deborah, Deborah was on the right frequency, and Barack. It was so beautiful because he never got on a high horse. You see his own humility. He says, "You know what? I'm not going to war, Deborah, without you." And Deborah, okay, let's get it on. She didn't say, "Oh, you know, I can't go on the front lines." No, let's get it on. Let's go handle business. Praise be to the Lord. And here in Judges 5, she's calling out the men. Here, O king, pay attention, kings. Pay attention, princes. It doesn't say queens and princesses. No, kings, princes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing to the Lord, she says. I'm going to sing praise to the Lord. Lord, in verse 4, when you... When you when you went out from Saire, see, the acknowledgement and praise unto the Lord. Deborah knew the moving of the Lord. She was on the right frequency. She had intimacy with the Lord. And her faith, yes, faith. Just like we studied on Sunday. It just so happens, it just so happens, they were like jumper cables. Jumper cables, spiritual jumper cables, which spread to Barak and then to the people. Go back and listen. If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study in Hebrews 11 about faith faith in verse 4 when you marched from the field of Edom you see don't forget the commander of the armies of the Lord Joshua Joshua worshipped him the commander of the armies of the Lord Had it not been Jesus Joshua would have been killed Worship of angels Worship of a created entity? Worship of creation? That is forbidden. That is idolatry. But for Joshua to worship this angel, capital A, and live, reveals who the angel is. You see? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was with, and the word was God. Don't forget. The word became flesh is Jesus. You say, wait a second. I'm Jewish. Okay. In the beginning, Elohim. The triune nature of God in the beginning, Elohim. Notice what happens here in verse four. The earth trembled and the heavens poured. The clouds poured out water. Verse 5, the mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord, God of Israel. In verse 6, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath. Remember, we just read about him in Judges 3, where he killed 600 men and delivered Israel. In the days of Yael. We we just read about Yael last week. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Yael. I like Yael. I like tough. I like tough. Look what happens here in verse 6, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Ya'el, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. You say, wait a second, wait a second, I thought, I thought Ya'el and Shamgar were good for Israel. And here in verse 6, we see, wait a second, they're in a deserted state here because the highways were deserted. I'll give you an example of what's happening here. If if you and me went to war, if you and me went to war and we're together on the same side and the Lord gives us victory today. Today we have victory in the, the aftermath of combat and today we have victory. Today would be a day of victory and we would absolutely praise the Lord, but, but, The building blocks of the warrior, they don't begin on the battlefield. They begin much earlier. What about you and me 50 years ago? What about you and me 20 years ago? What about you and me 10 years ago, five years ago? What about those building blocks of righteousness? Learning how to fight. Learning how to be equipped. Learning the ways of the warrior. You see? And when you look at Joshua, remember, there's victory upon victory upon victory in the book of Joshua. But the building blocks of the warrior within began many moons prior. With Shamgar and Yael, they absolutely had their moment of valor on their specific day. But the prior days, God was still forgotten among the people, but not with a select few. The building blocks of righteousness. I mean, when we see how the Lord raises up judges for such a time as this in judges one, two, three, four, and here we are in five and you know, the Lord raises up these judges, you know, we see the, the moment of these judges coming on the scene, but Shamgar, what if he was like 30 years old, what about Shamgar when he was five? Deborah, I don't know her age. What if she's like you know thirty or you know thirty two or forty? What if she's like you know sixty? I don't know. The moment they come on the scene, praise be to the Lord that they were raised for such a time as this in their era. But what about the building blocks? What about Shemgar when he was five years old? What about uh, Deborah when she was? seven years old You see each of them making their choice 10 years old making a choice 15 years old making a choice 20 years old making a choice 25 years old making a choice 30 years old making a choice 35 40 making a choice And then boom the lord knows that's my guy that's my gal I'm going to use him. I'm going to use her. Israel had forgotten the Lord. Shamgar, he didn't. Deborah didn't. You see, Yael, she made her choice. A good choice. Remember, she was married to a dumb husband. A dumb husband made his choice. Yael, his wife, made her choice. You see. It's the exact same today. As God becomes forgotten and is forgotten among the masses, and I speak, this is the church. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But inside the church, don't forget apostasy, it is prophesied. The falling away, it is prophesied. You know what that reveals to us? It tells us that the Lord will be forgotten. But there is a remnant. Who knows the Lord and the Lord knows them? There is a remnant. There is always a remnant. Look what happens here in verse 7. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. You see, decay was setting in. Decay. Don't expect anything less when God is forgotten. I mean, I've had these conversations with non believers. So I was like, you know what? What's happening to our country? I teach, just so you know, I teach from America. Oh, what's happening to our country? What's happening to our country? It's decaying. It's decaying. It's decaying. Well, what do you expect? What do you expect? God has forgotten. What do you expect? Oh, these dumb Democrats. These dumb Democrats. Look, we're Republican. We're Republican. So, oh, this is so cool. And look, we're so awesome. Come on, let's go to the bar. Oh, these dumb Republicans, these dumb Republicans, look, you know, we're Democrats. Come on, let's go to the strip club. Where is righteousness? Where is righteousness? Straight up, where is it? Where can it be found? Among the masses? Can't. Among the remnant? Different ballgame.
1: You see, different ball
0: game. You could be in China, you can be in Venezuela, you can be in, you know, uh, Zimbabwe, you can be in Timbuktu. There was always a remnant. Verse seven: Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. Whoa. Who is this lady? Who is this lady? I love her so much. You see, I like tough Deborah. She's a tough cookie. Beautiful. When the Lord became forgotten in Israel, Deborah, not on my watch. As for me, I will serve the Lord. That's what Deborah said in her heart of hearts. I will serve the Lord. This guy wants to do that. That's nice. This lady wants to do that. That's nice. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to honor him. My life is going to be a sweet aroma unto him. The men, they were fools. Deborah was wise. You see? To my sisters in Christ, I love you. To my sisters in Christ, bad pastors. Bad pastors have taught wrongly about the homemaker. Wrongly. Go back and listen to our studies in Titus chapter 2. You'll understand more. You see? People say, oh, but the men are the leaders. The men are the leaders. Hey, absolutely. But there's a problem. Where in the world are they? Oh, the men are supposed to be the leaders. Oh, look, I'm a guy. I'm a man. So look, I'm so awesome. And, you know, step aside, pipsqueak. Hey, woman, you know, hey, step aside. Hey, little girl, step aside. You're just a girl. You're just a girl. Step aside because, look, I'm the man. I'm going to be the pastor and I make all the decisions. And Listen, carnally speaking, they might look like a man. Spiritually speaking, they're little tiny babies. Little tiny bit. Sometimes they're wolves. You see? Where are the men? And that's what we see. You know, when there are these voids of leadership, you know what the Lord does? He raises up a generation, which are both male and female, young and old. Praise the Lord for Deborah. Praise the Lord for Ya'el. Praise the Lord for Esther. Praise the Lord for Chloe. Beautiful, beautiful Chloe. Israel was in decay in Judges 4. Israel Israel was in decay. And Deborah says, Until I arose. In verse 7, Until I arose. You see? A rose, a mother in Israel. You see, don't forget the prior Deborah who gave milk to baby Jacob. And then there's this Deborah who to groan Israel is giving milk, a different kind. What I also like to call jumper cables. You see, in verse 8, they chose new gods. You see, there's a cause and effect with the Lord. He is reactionary. The people chose idolatry. There's cause and effect. Ball's in their court. They want to do the Baal. They want to do the Esther. They want to do the Molech. Okay, ball's in their court. Now, ball's in the Lord's court. He's going to respond accordingly. Whatsoever a man sows, that he must reap. As the Bible says, they chose new gods in verse eight. Then there was war in the gates. Remember Eglon? Remember Eglon? We just studied him several weeks ago. You figure, okay, the Lord is going to strengthen Israel for battle, but that's not what happened. The Lord strengthened Eglon and not Israel. Why? The formula wasn't right. In the camp of Israel. And there was strengthening upon the enemy of Israel. And you're listening. You hear that. And you read it. And you're like, well, wait a second. I don't get it. I don't understand. But when you go back and you listen to our study from Deuteronomy 28. The Lord. He's just doing exactly. Exactly what he said he would do. it is written in verse 8 not a not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel you see a multitude of people and no weapons for war you see complacency kills complacency kills we used to say that all the time when i was in certain circles complacency kills jesus says this too when you know a man is freed from a demon Praise be to the Lord, He's the, the, the demon has left, the demon has fled. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is the one who says, that demon, he's going to come back. He's going to come back and he's not going to be alone. He's going to come with demons who are worse than he. And the complacent believer, the demons are going to come back and they're going to see, wow, look, this guy, how it translates, is, it's spiritual vacation, it's like the guy's on vacation. Complacent. A believer who's complacent. And Jesus says, the demons, they're going to go in and they're going to mess. They're going to just take over. And Jesus says, the state of that man will be worse than the first. Have you ever seen that? I mean, you see it today. You see it today. It is happening. We're living. In you see a guy who's, say, like, you know, a guy who does uh, marijuana, a guy who does his marijuana, and he becomes a Christian. Praise be to the Lord. He no longer has the chemical. He's freed. He doesn't have these chemical dependencies. But then he goes to a church where the pastor is disqualified. It's unbeknownst to him because he's a baby Christian. The problem is that fellowship breeds baby Christians. And you figure, wow, cool, look, you know, the Lord freed me, praise be to the Lord. And yes, absolutely, praise be to the Lord. But those demons, that demon, he's going to come back with demons that are worse than him. You see? And that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young baby Christian was going to a church was going to a fellowship. Oh, look, it's a mega church. I got all these activities. I can play basketball. I go golfing. I can, you know, join this club and this club. Oh, look, there's so much activity here. But there's no training in the ways of righteousness. There's no equipping in the ways of righteousness. You see? And that demon, where it was just marijuana, he's going to come back. And that beautiful baby Christian is not going to be ready. And now he leaves the church. He leaves the church. It's like, wow, he's, I haven't seen him in a while. Where is he? You go to visit him. He's on marijuana, crack, meth, you know, he's doing his goofballs, he's cooking spoons, he's doing lines, he's doing all kinds of different things, going to the you know, prostitutes and it's embezzling, he's getting fired from one job and he goes to another job and he's extorting here, extorting there and doing all kinds of mess and you're like, wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. You know, I thought you were bad before you became a Christian and now you were a Christian, but then like, you know, you became a Christian and praise be the Lord, you were free. And then all of a sudden, look at what happened. Now it's not just the marijuana. Now it's the crack, the meth and all kinds of different things. This guy is in a state of ruin. Then you have the Calvinist. Well, he was never really a Christian. The Calvinists and reformed. Well, he was never really a Christian. No, they're wrong. He was a christian he was freed he was a believer but luke chapter 8 verse 13 reveals he was a short-term believer he was a short-term believer you see the attacks came and he wasn't ready see the calvinists oh you look you know that he was never a believer he was never a believer no that's that's biblically inaccurate it's biblically wrong the Bible testifies and that's what happens
1: with complacency
0: complacency kills Oh, I want to go to this church. Look, go oh, look, our kids can have nice friends over here. They can have these friends. And look, there's these women's group and the men's groups. And oh, look, it's so cool. We can have this club over here. We can, you know, join this group. And there's so much activity. It's, a, it's not a social club. Church is not a social club. There are social aspects of church and fellowship. But what the Bible says in the Greek is social intercourse. Social intercourse. It's that mingling together. Mingling together, koinonia, ecclesia. A body, an assembly of those who are set apart. That's church. That's love feast. Very rare. Very rare. But the non-complacent believer doesn't want social club, desires ecclesia, love feast, Ecclesia. Koinonia. The formula is right in the pastors, in the elder. The formula is right in fellowship. You have babies, you have mature, you have deadly and everybody in between. The good deadly. These are saints who are training, equipping. Rolling around on the mat with the teacher, with the pastor. Learning how to Fight. Learning how to engage in hand-to-hand combat in spiritual warfare. This Christian, that type of Christian, that type of Christian, male, female, I don't care. That type of Christian is ready for the fight. Where a person can be freed from marijuana, the demon leaves and the demon comes back and that Christian is ready. That demon comes back with other demons that are worse than him. That Christian is ready. Non-complacent, not on spiritual vacation. Remember the demons with the sons of Siva? They say, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who in the world are you? And with the saint, with the Christian who's equipped and knows how to fight. It's a different ballgame, but Satan knows this too. Satan knows this too. He doesn't mind the baby Christians. He likes churches where, you know, they foster babyness. In these last days, we know that Satan knows his time is short. The Bible says in the last days, Satan knows his time is short. You would think. You would think churches would be training like crazy. You would think pastors would be training like crazy, equipping the saints. You would think that pastors would be getting not just the word out. That's like more of an evangel- evangelizing, which isn't a bad thing. That is a good thing. There's a a different type of evangelizing that happens in the last days. A lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom because Christians will be hunted. We're going to be hunted in the last days. A lot of wisdom is required for evangelizing in these last days. But you would think because the word of God reveals Satan knows his time is short. That means he's going to intensify his fight, the demonic realm. And you would think pastors would be equipping like crazy. Getting ready for spiritual battle and engaging in spiritual battle you would think but that's not the case that's not what we see today today we see the church is asleep not a shield or spear is seen you see and that's what we see here that's what we see here in verse eight they chose new gods then there was war in the gates Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. In verse 9, my heart is with the rulers of Israel. You see, Deborah has a heart for leadership. She knows that leadership matters. And her heart is with the leaders. But a certain kind. A certain kind. Notice. My heart is with the rulers of Israel, in verse 9, who offer themselves willingly with the people. You see, not the kind that want to sit in their high places and rule as the establishment. Oh, look at me. I'm so awesome. Look, I'm the ruler. I'm the king. I'm the prince. Oh, look at me. I'm so cool. Oh, you're just the little people. And listen, Deborah, she says, my heart is with the rulers of Israel who offer themselves willingly with the people. She likes the rulers who are among the people. They offer themselves willingly with the people. And she says, bless the Lord! Exclamation point. Bless the Lord. In verse 10, speak, you who ride on white donkeys who sit in judges attire. You see, a call is made to judges. Those who sit in judges attire. Now they sit in judges attire, but whether or not they are judges, that's going to be determined. You see, it's like pastors. Look at all the pastors we have today. Or look at all the people in pastor's attire, so to speak. Whether or not they are pastors, there are determining factors for that. Remember Paul in Corinth? You have 10,000 teachers, he said, but one father. You have 10,000 teachers, but one father. Picture that. Picture that. In this marketplace of ideas, so to speak, all the people who served as influencers. And Paul says, you have 10,000 teachers, but one father. Chloe, consider Chloe. Chloe. Who could not, she knew formula. She could not submit to the defunct pastors in Corinth. You see? She had a good teacher in Paul. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord when the leaders lead. How beautiful it is when the leaders lead when they don't. Who is it that the Lord raises up? You see? In verse 10, speak you who ride on white donkeys who sit in judges attire and who walk along the road in verse 11, far from the noise of the archers among the watering places. You see, there's a buildup of something happening here. This account in this song There's something, this buildup, also of something else that should be happening. Because this buildup, the sounds of war, they're far away. They're far away. I mean, you know, in verse 11 from the noise of the archers, the sounds of war are far, but it's coming. It's far, but it's coming. That is what is happening. And among the watering places, something else should be happening. And that's what we see here in in verse 11. Among the watering places, there. There they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord. That is what should be happening. But what is in their mind? What is in their heart? I think of today. The noise of the archers in the spiritual realm are coming. It's getting louder. The demonic realm, they know their time is short. And there are people in pastor's attire who should be mindful of the righteous acts of the Lord. But what do we see? What do we see? There are those in pastor's attire, so to speak, who have their minds on the sex, on the drugs, on the alcohol, on the idolatry, on the money. They have the attire. But what's inside? What's inside the heart? What's inside the mind? You see? Let's continue. Verse 11. The righteous acts. Remember, it's the righteous acts of the Lord for his villagers in Israel. You see, it's for God's people. God's people. When Paul says in in Corinthians, when he says, you have 10,000 teachers, but one father. He's not saying, oh, look at me. Look how awesome I am. He's not saying, oh, look, I'm, you know, these 10,000. Oh, they're just little pipsqueaks and I'm so awesome. No, he says, You have 10,000 teachers acknowledging. Yeah, there's these people that are teachers. Yes, there's full acknowledgement. These guys are teachers. But if they were good teachers, do you think that we would see the problems that we see in Corinth? If they were good teachers, don't you think Corinth would be more like Philippi? Very interesting that what we see in Philippi The beauty of Philippi does not match the carnality we see in Corinth. Why? Because Philippi had good teachers, good pastors, good elders, good overseers, qualified. And you don't see the flesh that we see in Corinth. You don't see that in Philippi. And then you look at Corinth where Paul says, you have 10,000 teachers. You would think the plethora of teachers would result in the, a plethora of righteousness, but it's the opposite. You see, Paul says, You have 10,000 teachers, but one father. It's not to exalt himself. It's so that the saints can know. Yeah, there's 10,000 teachers. But I'm going to submit to Paul. I'm going to listen to Paul. That's what Chloe did. She knew formula. There's all these defunct pastors here. But Paul, he taught me well. He told me, he warned me, don't submit to these freak shows. So you know what? You know... Am I going to be like Deborah and lead? Uh, Yes, I'll be like Deborah and lead as the Lord is willing. And then at the same time, it's like, but there's specific rules of engagement as new covenant believers. I cannot have authority over men. So you know what? Women's fellowship. And ladies, let's meet in my house. You see? She knows formula. She's well taught. And when they, when the, Works of the flesh become like just overflowing, they let Paul know. Those in Chloe's household, they let Paul know. Male covering. You see? Look at what, you know, in, in verse 11, it's so powerful. Because what should be happening, the war is coming. And what should be happening is that those who sit in judges attire, they should be on the right frequency to understand war is coming. Because if that were the case at the end of verse 11, then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. You see, leadership matters. They have a job to do. They have tasks. Leaders, they have jobs they have responsibility it's not about opposition oh look I'm head pastor that means you know I get more money I go to the board and you know the board has released these extra funds and oh look at me I'm I'm a head pastor I'm the head pastor I'm the head elder I'm the head deacon I'm the head bishop Paul he denied he says listen you know it's it's biblical that, you know, uh, and, 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 and uh, um, that the ox is worthy. But at the same time, Paul denied it. He says, I don't want your money. He says, present your soul a living sacrifice. I don't want your money. Leadership. Leadership. It's about serving faithfully in the capacity of that role and serving faithfully unto God. Unto God. That's leadership. It's not about position. It's not about title. That's the ways of the carnal. I mean, in verse 9 and 10, we see that Deborah's heart is with the rulers, and there is a call to those in judge's attire, and you figure, okay, you know, there's a lot of people to choose from. But then we get to verse 12. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. For such a time as this, in their generation, there were two, Deborah and Barak. You see? In verse 13, then the survivors came down, translates in the Hebrew as the remnant. Then the remnant came down. The people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. You see, in the Hebrew, this translates as the Lord gave dominion over the mighty. The battle has arrived. Deborah for such a time as this. Barak for such a time as this. Where are the Deborahs of our time? Where are the Baraks of our time? Where are the Chloe's of our time? Where are the Paul's of our time? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Notice what happens here in verse 14. From Ephraim, there, from Ephraim were those whose roots were in Amalek. After you, Benjamin with your peoples, from Machir rulers came down, and from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter's staff. Now, there, are some parts of There are some times when I take issue with translations. This is one of them. The New King James. I take issue with the translators here because the Hebrew translates as those who handle the stick of the scribe or it translates more as those who handle the writing instrument. And I get why the translators of the new King James, I meant way back in the day, I get and this is pre-Alexandrian too, which is, has relative safety, but it's very important to stick to the original manuscripts. And I get, I understand why the translators of the new King James pre-Alexandrian, why they say recruiter staff, because you know, notice it's a time of war. It's a time of war. And People are coming with their writing instruments. It's just like, wait a second. That just doesn't seem to fit. I mean, it's a time of war. And instead of the sword, instead of the javelin, you know, people are going to be coming with you know, the pens people are becoming with, you know, their, their, you know, their, their, their writing their, their ink stick to those with ears, <laughs> but the Hebrew is pretty clear. It's the stick of the scribes. In the book of Judges it sounds completely crazy I mean there's war and they're gonna go you know pick up the pens it sounds crazy for judges but as New Covenant believers it doesn't sound crazy at all when you consider the writing instruments of Matthew Mark Luke John Paul James Peter it's so beautiful In verse 15, and the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. You see, I'm so in love with her. Look at her beauty. Look at her beauty. When, when, when the Lord became forgotten, not with Deborah. And her faith, yes, faith, her faith served as jumper cables to Barak and to the people. Barak doesn't say, oh, you know, step aside, woman. You're just a girl. Oh, look, I'm the man. You don't see that. You see his humility. Say, you know what, Deborah, I'm not going without you. And Deborah didn't say, well, you know, okay, you know, you guys can go, but, you know, I'll be in the rear with the gear. No, she was on board. She said, you know, let's get it on. Let's do this. The princes of Issachar, you know, the, you know, hey, we're with Deborah. Remember, very important to remember in verse 13, it's the remnant. The survivors came down, it says the remnant. As Issachar, so was Barak. Sent into the valley under his command among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. Great resolves of heart. Verse 16. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds? To hear the pipings for the flocks. Translates in the Hebrew as the crying of the flocks. The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. This translates in Hebrew as examination and deliberation of heart. You see, Reuben is being called out here. It's time for war, Reuben, and you didn't engage. It's time for war, Reuben, and you sit among the sheepfolds. Notice, we also see some faults within the tribes. Remember, remnant. Verse 13, remnant. And we see some Faults here with the tribes Reuben. It's a time for war. Why are you at home? You see Reuben why aren't you with Issachar? Who's with Deborah Why aren't you with Issachar who's with Deborah and led by Barak? Why are you at home? Why is it that you're at home and you want to hear the crying of the flocks? No, it's time for war but not a hundred percent already. You see, it reminds me a lot about today. It's time for war, spiritual war. Remember the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature. They are supernatural. They are spiritual and it's time for war. Where are the fighters? Where are the Warriors? Reuben, it's time for war. What are you doing at home? Why are you you sitting at home with the sheepfolds? To hear the crying of the flocks. You see? That's how it's going to be in the last days. It's time for war. War. Spiritual war in the spirit realm. It's not coming. It's here. where are the warriors where nothing new under the Sun verse 17 Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan and why did Dan remain on ships Gilead Reuben what's the matter Gilead Reuben why aren't, why aren't you with Issachar Why aren't you with Zebulun? You see? In verse 17, Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And why did Dan remain on the ships? Why did they remain on ships? You see, very interesting because you see naval capabilities here. And yet, where is everybody? Where is everybody? You think, I mean, if you take 100% of the so-called warriors. And I say so-called warriors. Remember the census in numbers, the first census, those able to fight, those able to go to war. Then you have the second census, which includes female, first census, male, second census, first census, male, dead, second male or, or second census, the inclusion of female, And then you see life entry into the promised land. And if the law of Moses were fully capable to accomplish, we wouldn't even see judges. We wouldn't see Deborah because the Lord would have remained remembered among the people. But the law has incapabilities. The law has inabilities. The law has loopholes. And the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And with Jesus Christ, there are no loopholes. It's the better covenant. Just like we see in the book of Acts, or in the book of Hebrews, <laughs> just like we see in the book of Hebrews. book of Hebrews, praise be to the Lord. And people say, oh, that's just for the Jewish people. Those are for Jewish believers. What? In Christ, there's no male, female. In Christ, there is no Jew, Gentile. In Christ. Oh, but that's for the Hebrews. Are we not to read it? Fools. Fools in the pulpits. Fools. Prophetically speaking, the Bible teaches that there will be fools in the pulpits. And what do we see today? Fools in the pulpits. Reuben, why aren't you with Zebulun? Gilead, Dan, why aren't you with Issachar? Asher, in verse 17, continued at the seashore. Asher, what are you doing on the seashore? And stayed by his inlets. What are you doing at the inlets? You see? It's time for war. What are you doing with the? Why are you at home with the sheepfolds? Why? What's happening? Remember verse 13: the remnant. The remnant. It's a time for war. Where is everybody? verse 18, Zebulun is a people who jeopardize their own lives to the point of death. I'm so in love with Zebulun. Death before dishonor. I like Zebulun. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. You see, Naphtali as well. Death before dishonor. everybody's a tough guy before a fight. Everybody's a tough guy. Oh, look, uh, look at me. I'm so tough. Look at me. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll, you know, hook and jab over here and kick over here. And look at me. I'm such a tough guy. But when the fight comes. When a fight is hours away, when a fight is minutes away, when a fight is seconds away, there's something that is revealed. The metal of a man, the metal of a woman. Some have it, some don't. Some learn to have it and some never learn. And I, in one sense, I don't like putting it in these terms because it does evoke carnal impulses. But at the same time, we have to focus on the mindset and the heart of the fighter, of the warrior. Because the spiritual battle that isn't coming the spiritual batter, battle that is already here. And that battle will intensify, and that battle will be incredibly fierce. You know what Jesus says of the last day's battle? He says, No flesh will be saved, even the elect. That's what Jesus says. Even the elect, nobody will be saved even the elect that's what jesus says you know how fierce that battle is i mean picture that that's 100% casualty rate that's a fierce battle but jesus says unless those days be shortened that's the direction that we're headed towards it would be a 100% casualty rate even the elect Unless those days be shortened. Those days will be shortened. Oh, that's Israel. That's Israel. Matthew 24. Those are the Jews. Those are the Jews. Those are the Jews. The pre-tribulation rapture people say, wrong. Remember Hebrews 11? Their perfection isn't apart from us. It is written. It is written, it is also written. it is also written. it is also written. Sometimes there are fifty, it is also written. Sometimes there are 20, it is also written. sometimes there's five, it is also written. But where are the sons of Issachar today? Where are the sons of Issachar today? Who can discern the times? And Jesus says, that's how fierce the last day's fight is going to be. 100% casualty rate. 100% casualty rate. Even no flesh will be saved, even the elect. Unless those days be shortened. And the Lord will shorten those days. So we're not going to have 100% casualty rate and we're not going to have 0% casualty rate. But there will be casualties. The church will take casualties. Don't forget what's also prophesied. The falling away. Apostasy. Strong delusion, which is a result of having no love of the truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Remember? Strong delusion. I mean, you look at the world today and you see strong delusion like crazy. It's everywhere. Everybody's turning crazy. It's a sign of the times. Look at what is taught in schools. Look at what is in the public marketplace. Look at entertainment. Everybody's going crazy. You say, okay, that's the world. It's safe in the church. No, it isn't it is not safe you have to know formula because when the formula is right it is safe strong delusion has entered the church which reveals something else the prophecy of God's judgment coming first to the church
1: strong delusion it's inside the church
0: But it is a result of not loving the truth, which is why we say, you and me together, we must have a strong, profound, deep love of the truth, no matter how much it hurts. You see? Today, you see a lot of Christians fighting carnally, according to the flesh, fighting... Against what the carnal eyes see. But that's not how we fight. The same commander of the armies of the Lord that we read in the Old Testament. The same commander. We have different rules of engagement under the better covenant. Our fight is spiritual. In Judges 5 we see faults in rulers, peoples, tribes, But there is a remnant that fights valiantly. You see? Valiantly. It's a remnant. In verse 19, the kings came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. So understand, the Canaanites, they fight. They're by the waters of Megiddo. Very interesting, Megiddo. Look what happens in this fight in verse 20. They fought from the heavens. This is beautiful. So beautiful. In verse 20. They fought from the heavens. Very interesting. Who is it that fought? Who is it that joined in this battle? The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. You see? The stars from their courses, fought against Sisra. Now, part of me wants to warn here because there are very poisonous doctrines that are formulated with passages such as this where certain dogmas of Mormonism, astrology, and ideas of the apostate. But the other part of me doesn't want to warn at all because it's so simple. It's so simple. Who fought against Sisra here in verse 20? In the Hebrew, it translates as shining princes came down the highway or shining princes came down the staircase. You know what it is? Angels. Angels fought. I mean, in the case of Hezekiah, remember Hezekiah? It was one angel that destroyed the armies of Assyria. Remember here in Judges chapter 5, the fighters here, these are remnant fighters. These are the fighters, the warriors of the remnant. And the angels, they joined in the fight. You see? Other peoples, other tribes, you know what they did? They stayed home. With the animals at the seashore, at the inlets, they missed out on this angelic attachment. They missed out. Now just think for a moment. Just think for a moment. The commander of the armies of the Lord, Jesus, when he sends reinforcements, do you think angels are excluded? Let me say that again. When Jesus sends reinforcements, do you think angels will be excluded? The answer is no. We see this very thing in the book of Acts. Angels coming down to minister angels coming down to serve angels coming down to help but there's a very specific formula with the christians with the saints in the book of acts very specific formula holy remember we were we're told we we studied this in hebrews 1 the angels coming down to minister remember And then you have the fools at the pulpits today. Oh, the gifts of the spirit that we see in the book of Acts. That was for 2000 years ago. Another dispensation. It's not for today. It's not for today. It's not for today. It's said widely and widely held among the Calvinists, among the reformed theology, which we call theory among the Presbyterian. Oh, that was for 2000 years ago. It's not for today that, oh, that guy, he was never really a Christian. That lady, she was never really a Christian. The gifts of the Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. Tongues, that's not for today. Interpretation, that's not for today. Prophecy, that's not for today. You see? Oh, God is sovereign. We cannot know His ways. You know what the Bible says? It says the sovereign God does nothing without first revealing it to his servants when you when you hear a pastor when you hear a pastor say god is sovereign we cannot know his ways you know what he is revealing you know what she is revealing that yes god is sovereign but she doesn't know his ways he doesn't know his ways that's what is happening because the bible the word of god says that the sovereign god does nothing without first revealing it to his servants. Look at what he revealed to Isaiah. Look at what he revealed to Jeremiah. Who listened to Isaiah? Who listened to Jeremiah? Look at what he revealed to Paul. Who listened to Paul? You see? Look at what he revealed to Paul and... Chloe, picture Chloe, beautiful Chloe. She's in Corinth, and she's got ten thousand teachers. And she says, "You know what? Scratch. Take these ten thousand teachers and scratch them." I'm, I'm with Paul. You see? And look at what the Lord revealed to her. She was on the right frequency to understand. Hey. This is getting, this is bad in Corinth and it's getting worse. You see, you have these pastors. Oh, that would the book of Acts and the gifts of the spirit. That was for that dispensation. It is not for today. Well, why isn't it up for today, oh pastor, old oh, pastor, or guy in a pastor's suit, pastor's clothing, pastor's attire? Why isn't it for today? Well, it's not for today because we don't see it. We don't see the evidence of it today. We don't see it today. Well, there's a reason for that. It's not because those gifts were locked in that dispensation. It's because those gifts aren't in you. Why aren't they in you, Pastor? Oh, God is sovereign, we cannot know His ways. okay? I got my answer. You revealed why they're not with you. because you're not with God. You're not with God. Because God does nothing without revealing to His servants. And because by your own admission, You proclaim that God is sovereign and no one can know his ways. You're revealing who you are. Guy in pastor's attire. And the Bible, the word of God, my savior, my master. He prohibits me from submitting to you. Therefore, I'm not going to submit to you. Because your theology, it's crazy town. You also fulfill prophecy where there's going to be crazy town in the last days. Hello, you're crazy town. You see, we have to understand what the word of God teaches because this fierce battle, it's not coming. It's already here and we're already taking casualties. And Jesus, the commander of the armies of the Lord, Who Joshua worshiped. He's the one who reveals and he's the one who says that there will be 100% casualties even among the elect unless those days were shortened. I want to know where are the men? Where are the women? With the mindset of the warrior. With the heart of the warrior. The death before dishonor type. That's what I want to know. You see? It just blows me away so much because we have these accounts of battles according to the flesh. According to the flesh. But according to the flesh in... These rules of engagement of the covenant. You have, in verse 20, the stars from their courses who fought against Sisra The attachment of angels on the battlefield.
1: You see? this is going
0: to happen in the last days when there will be there will be major major war in the heavenly realm but who is it where is it where is the fellowship where the formula is right probably going to be a tiny church the me- the age of the mega church is you know that's like judgment god's judgment the age of the megachurch is over. We're in the tiny church model now. And the tiny church model where you have love feast, you have baby believers, you have mature believers, you have deadly believers and everybody in between the good deadly. You have godly overseers. Patterns of righteousness, godly pastors, patterns of righteousness, and they oversee qualified pastors teaching, pouring in, feeding the flock. And when that formula is right, you're also going to see koinonia, ecclesia, love feast, and every priest, both sacrifice and gifts. And our high priest in the order of Melchizedek also has gifts when he sends his spirit you have gifts of the holy spirit no expiration date on those as the calvinists say as the presbyterians say as the reformed theory people say there's no expiration date the reason why we don't see it like we see in the book of acts is because the formula is not like the book of acts We have lost our way, but for a remnant, for a remnant, for a remnant like Zebulun and Naphtali, who knew better, you see death before dishonor, you know, I'm with Deborah, Zebulun, you know, I'm with Deborah, Naphtali, I'm with Deborah and, you know, we're going to war. I'm not staying home. I'm not by the seashore. No, it's time for war. So, you know, everybody, we're going to war. Okay. It's not everybody. Okay. Remnant, let's go to war.
1: You see? And you know what's sad?
0: Reuben? Dan? Gilead? Yes, they... There's that aspect of fear from war. But don't forget, perfect love casts out fear. And these peoples, they missed out on this angelic interaction. They missed out. They didn't experience it. And it's not that we seek after experience. but they missed out on the experience nonetheless. When the angels get involved with the saints, as Hebrews 1 reveals, in ministering to the saints, and you look at the book of Acts, and you see the saints being ministered to by the angels, and then you have wicked men at pulpits saying, Oh! was for 2000 years ago the gifts of the spirit the moving of the spirit but when the formula is right you're gonna see the interaction of angels inside the church but the type of church that's a very 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 special church that's the remnant I mean, you look at the seven churches in Revelation two and three. Seven churches. And five are told to repent. Two are not; they don't—they don't have to repent. Why? They have good pastors, good teachers. They're right with God. They're not told to. It's Smyrna and Philadelphia. But there is only one, Philadelphia, that has safety. See, that's a specific formula. That's a specific formula. And yet it is written. Look at what we see here in verse 21, the torrent of Kishon swept them away. You see a river torrent swept these forces away in judges four. We see victory of battle, which is beautiful in judges four. We see it victory. But here in Judges 5 where we see this song of Deborah and Barak and they're singing. We get a firsthand account through this song of the intricacies of battle. I mean, in, in Judges 4, you don't see that. You know, the angels got involved. But in Judges 5, you see like, wow, they, they came down their staircases. You see? The commanders of the arm, the commander of the armies of heaven, sent reinforcements, which did not exclude angels. The commanders of the commander of the armies of the Lord. There was this torrent of Kishon, the river torrent, swept them away. I mean, when the commander of arm the armies of heaven who is the creator of all things in him by him and through him everything was everything that was made was made it just so happens we cover that on Sunday when he sends reinforcements I mean it blows me away because sometimes, you know, you, you, you talk to believers and they talk about the book of Revelation and it's like, okay, you know, you know there's certain things that happen and will happen. And, and they get like, you know, like so amazed, like, oh, I can't believe this is going to happen. I can't believe this and this and these things are going to happen. I can't believe this. And it's like, well, wait a second. It's happened before. Nothing new under the... I mean, should we really be surprised when the Lord, when He's just doing what He said He would do? He's just doing what He said He would do. Remember, His works are finished. And He's just doing everything according to what He said. I mean there will be moments of astonishment but let's be straight up should we be astonished when the Lord is just doing what he said he would do and this experience of the battlefield it was experienced by the remnant it wasn't experienced by the masses It was experienced by the remnant. Very important to understand the new covenant implications of what we read about in Judges 5 and also the prophetic implications of the very things that we read about in Judges 5. Nothing new under the sun. And we see in verse 21, that ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, Oh, my soul, march on in strength. I love verse 21. Oh, my soul, march on in strength. I mean, take you and me. We get in my time machine and we go back to this battle and we join with Naftali on the heights of the battlefield and we jeopardize our lives to the point of death, death before dishonor. And then all of a sudden, angels join in and you know, when the angels join in, remember, this isn't like, you know, they're fighting like we're fighting. These are angels. One angel wiped out the armies of the Assyrian armies. One, just one. And here on this battlefield, we see the angels, you know, they, they join in. They, 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 they come down their staircases. And then on top of that, the river torrent joins in. You and me, you and me on the heights of the battlefield, we look at each other. Would we not also say, just as Deborah and Barak, oh my soul, march on in strength. Remember last week, our study in chapter 4, Sisera, he fell off his chariot. Now, there were no survivors, only him. And we see here in verse 22, then the horse's hooves pounded the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Now, again, I have, I take issue with the new, the, the translators of the new King James. I take issue with the translators because in the Hebrew, it translates as then the horse hooves were conquered through the galloping or the, uh, uh, or the, the galloping of the chief ones now. I'll tell you how I see this. You know how, and I love animals. I'm, I love animals so much. You know how animals have like a special sense that humans don't have. You have these war horses of the Canaanite army led by Sisera. And remember the account of the battlefield in Judges four, not, not the intricacies of the battlefield, like we see the torrent and the angels, but we see an account of the, the 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 battle that happens in Judges 4 and they're pulling mighty chariots mighty chariots and you know chariots have fighters on top chariot chariots pull like they're they're like the old school tanks and you have these war horses that are pulling these chariots so number 1 let's look at what happens you have these war horses of that that are pulling these chariots and so number 1 there's a river torrent that swept the people away. And then number two, there's angels, you <laughs> know, these are angels. Now picture the horses, like the, the chief horse. you know, how like horses, you know, like, like they follow. there's like the awful horses were like, you know, so you have these chief war horses and they're just like straight up. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. You know? The, 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 the warriors, they're going to whip me on the back and I'm going to run. I'm going to pull this chariot. But, you know, I see the river and I see the angels. Okay, I'm done. And that's how this verse translates. The horse's hooves pounded, the galloping, galloping of his steeds were in the Hebrew translates as then the horse hooves were conquered through the through the galloping of the chief ones. Where you have these like the alpha warhorse, and they're like, okay, I'm done. Now the alphas, when the alphas stop running, everybody else, the betas, they also stop running. And the thunder. Have you ever heard like the the thunderous pounding of horse hooves on the earth? I mean, it's. It, when you're close to it it like you can feel it it like shakes you can feel like your intestines shaking and vibrating you can feel like your your bones vibrate because you've got and you feel the earth just like move and shake and all of a sudden the alpha horse is just like okay i'm done i'm done the, the river torrent it takes off the you know the guy's whipping me on the back and the river torrent takes the guy off okay you know and then i see the angels okay i'm done and then the alpha start, and then the beta horse is like, okay, we're done. And that's how this translates in the Hebrew. That the horse hooves were conquered by the galloping of the chief ones. So they're like running, broom, 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 the earth shake, and then all of a sudden they just, you know, the 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 river torrent comes, the angels are fine. Okay, we're done. We're done. And it's like, wow, they're not, you don't feel that thunder anymore. Now they just kind of gallop along and okay, we're done. No more whipping on the back. Those guys are dead. The angels fought. The river torrent came. Okay, they're done. Now remember, statutes, provisions in the law to provide care for those war horses. (laughs) You see, for those war horses to, you know, take that off, take that, take off the attachment, take off, you know, no more chariot. Now, even the horses have entered the camp. I love it so much. Even the horses, provisions in the law for the horses, for the animals. No longer a war horse of Canaan. Now you're a horse, a steed of Israel. I mean, have you ever seen war animals? War I mean, Just like you see veterans who are scarred from war. It also trickles into the animals. Where like, you know, like in the old school, World War II, they gave the command. They said, hey, kill all your dogs. Kill all the war. When the war was over, they said, kill all your dogs because, you know, they're going to go back into civilian life in America. And, you know, they're going to kill their homeowners. They're going to whoever wherever they are. They're going to because they're war dogs. And they're dangerous you know you yeah you're like a little boy you know pets the oh you know baby girl pets the dog you no know, that dog's gonna kill baby girl this is a war dog the scars of war just as they are in humans they are also in animals the war dogs and even war horses today there are still war horses there are attachments that train in like warfare on animals And it's so beautiful how the Word of God, how there are provisions to care for the animals. Take these chains off. You see, you are no longer a war horse of Canaan, you're a beautiful horse of the camp of Israel. Look what we see here in verse 23. Curse meros, says the angel of the Lord. Curse is its inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. So there's... To not join in the fight. That's a big deal. I meant... In some circles, you know, of the warrior class, if if there's a unit that's there they're they're gonna deploy to intense combat, number one, they wouldn't. De- well, okay, they're gonna deploy to an intense theater of battle. To shy away from that, I mean, I don't want to get graphic, but that's. That's dangerous to do. I mean, to shy away from a fight when you're in an environment where you are tasked to fight and to shy away from the fight, that's dangerous to do in a, in a, in a bad way. I mean, I mean, if you're in that class, you don't want to do that. But to fight. When the fight is coming, just as Jesus says, you know, you want to be on spiritual vacation? You want to choose to be on spiritual vacation? You want to choose to be complacent? Don't expect victory. Now, there's victory. You know, they, they, just like we with, with, with the guy with, with his marijuana. There was victory. You know, freedom. It's like, wow, I'm not a pothead anymore. Praise the Lord. There's victory. But does is it victory upon victory upon victory upon victory? Well, that depends. Because a person is no longer a pothead, freed in Christ. But if that baby Christian stays a baby and does not mature and move on to perfection and learn how to fight, learn how to engage in a hand-to-hand combat, learn how to engage in spiritual warfare, that demon is going to come back not alone. Jesus says that demon is going to come back with more demons who are worse than him. And if that baby Christian is not ready and has not moved on to become deadly himself or to become deadly herself, you know what happens? Jesus says the state of that person is worse than the first. Look at verse 24. Most blessed among women is Yael, I love Yael. I love. It. Now, we have to admit, she has a dumb husband. Remember in chapter 4, Yael, she has a very stupid husband. Her husband made peace with Sisera and was giving, giving Sisera intel on Israel's troop movement. That, that's, what, that, that's what her husband, that was what her stupid, dumb husband, was doing. You see? Yael's husband made a choice to be stupid. That's on him. As for her, she chose not to be stupid. And so let's look at verse 24. Most blessed among women is Yael. The wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water. This is Sisra. He asked for water. She gave him milk. Remember how, you know, the sole survivor of this battle, Sisra, he sought refuge. And, you know, some nice warm milk. He asked for water. She gave milk. In verse 25, she brought out cream in a lordly bowl verse 26 she stretched her hand to the tent peg her right hand to the workman's hammer she pounded Sisra, she pierced his head she split and struck through his temple at her feet he sank he fell he lay still in the Hebrew he sank he fell is that he was smote and he perished at her feet I love verse 24 Uh, You know, uh, the account of Yael, and I love verse 24. Most blessed among women is Yael. You see? Beautiful. She's a fighter. She's a warrior. She had a dumb husband, but she made her choice. Husband wants to be dumb? Okay, that's nice. Where she says, okay, you want to be dumb? Okay, as for me, I will serve the Lord. I wish I could say, you know, as for you, I wish you would say, as for me too, but okay, you want to be stupid? Okay. Husband, you make your choice. You know, okay, I'm making my choice. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. You want to be friends with Canaan? You want to give intel to Sisera? Okay. You want to be chummy with Sisera? You want to be nice and chummy and friendly with Sisera? Okay. I'm going to kill him. You see? Now, you know, a little disclaimer here. Old Testament, according to the flesh, according to the flesh. As New Covenant believers, we do not fight according to the flesh. We fight according to the Spirit. But the mindset, the heart of the warrior, of the fighter, is still the same. Different rules of engagement, it's still the same. Where are the fighters of today? Male, female, I don't care. Young, old, I don't care. Where are the fighters of today? Because the battle. It's not coming. It is not coming. It's already here. It's already here. And it's going to intensify. And it is intensifying. And it's going to be incredibly fierce. So fierce that Jesus says the casualties would be 100%, even the elect. That's what the casualty rate would be. I mean, Who would go to battle when, you know, carnally speaking, you're going to battle and the commander says, okay, there's going to be 100% casualty rate. Who would go to battle? I mean, you hear war stories. You hear war stories from back in the day. And there are some commanders where the intelligence and their intelligence briefings, and they say, listen, the casualty rate is high. We're going to go into this theater of combat and the casualty rate is going to be, you know, over 50%. The casualty rate is going to be like over 70%. Then you take the heart and the mind of the fighter. Some units weren't given those orders because no one would fight. They would fight the commanders, but there were some warriors death before dishonor they say okay okay with that high of a casualty rate they still go knowing that in the grand scheme of warfare they're holding off of these enemy forces that is going to help It's going to provide aid. It's going to provide respite. Death before dishonor. You see, speaks of the warrior class. The warrior mind, the warrior heart. Like Zebulun and Naphtali. Beautiful Deborah. Remember chapter, chapter four. The Lord became forgotten and there was oppression. But Deborah, this, also, this look at how beautiful Deborah is. She remembered the Lord. She retained the Lord in her heart, in her mind. And for such a time as this in her era. For such a time as this. Look at how she was used. Look at how the Lord used her. You see, as his vessel, where the Lord says, You know what? That's my girl. That's my girl, Barack. That's my guy, and I'm gonna use you know, uh, use a Deborah as jumper cables for Barack. Notice what happens here in verse. 21, this beautiful, beautiful Yael, most blessed among women in verse 24. But here in verse 27, at her feet, he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet, he sank, he fell. This repeat that he was smote, he perished. Don't forget, Sisra. he's the commander of the Canaanite armies. Don't forget, he's the commander. He's like, you know, the guy in charge. He's the only survivor. But when he enters the tent of Yael, survivor no more because she kills him. You see dumb husband wants to be friends with Sisera. Okay. She made her choice. He made his choice to be stupid. She made her choice to be wise. Husband, you want to be friend with Sisera? Okay, I'm going to kill him. What about today? Who are the Sisera's of today? You see? Husband, you want to watch your dirty movies? That's nice. You want to choose to be stupid? Okay. I'm gonna to choose to kill it. See, see this, see this nice uh, flat screen, this expensive flat screen. No, I'm killing it. I'm breaking it. Where's my baseball bat? You want to do your dirtiness on your computers? Okay. You make your choice to be stupid. Okay, I'm killing it. Where's my baseball bat? You see? Praise be to the Lord. Most blessed among women is Yael. And at her feet, this commander of the armies of Canaan, he was smote and he perished. He lay still at her feet. He sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. In verse 27, he was smote and he perished. Now notice in verse 28, the mother of Sisera looked through the window. You know, what mother doesn't have concern for her kids Cicero's mother? Where is he? Where is he? See, every single person has a choice to make for themselves. And obedience is a learned thing. Remember obedience is a learned thing. Take a 30 year old. For example, a 30 year old who's in prison, a 30 year old who's in prison. He made his choice. Whatever it was, murder, rape, whatever. I'm not glossing over those things, but. Whatever it is, he's in prison. He made his choice. But you hit the rewind button in this 30-year-old's life at age 20. At age 30, he's in prison. At age 20, he's not in prison. He was making bad choices and making bad friends, but nothing to land him in prison. You hit the rewind button again. He's age 12. He's pretty unruly, but definitely nothing to land him in prison or juvie. You hit the rewind button again. He's at age 5. And he's showing signs of unruliness. Parents, parents, teach your kids well. Teach your kids well. And I love you, but remember the millstone. You see? Both Sisera and Sisera's mom, along with their lineage in their family, they had a choice to make as the Lord made himself known in Egypt and through Israel. Jethro, he chose wisely. Rahab, she chose wisely. Sisera and Sisera's mom, they had a choice to make. And so, how we see here in verse 28 the mother of Sisera looked through the window and cried out through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? I gotta say, this hurts. This hurts. Mama Sisera, she realizes, you know, my son, he's not coming home. She's starting to realize that he died. But it's too late for Mama Sisera. It's too late. Mama Sisera should have taught him better while she had the chance. You say, wait a second. She's Canaanite. How could you have this expectation? She's Canaanite. I know. But even still, a choice was presented before her. Look at today. Oh, but I was raised Catholic. I was raised Buddhist. I was raised raised in Wicca. I was raised in astrology. Listen, that's understandable. Only this. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. Now, ball's in your court. Straight up, the ball's in your court. You have a choice to make. You're Catholic? Okay. Ball's in your court. You have a choice to make. Do you want to align yourself with the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You say, wait a second, I'm Catholic. I'm a Christian. No, Catholicism is unbiblical. Catholicism is not biblical Christianity. Oh, but I'm raised Buddhist. I was Buddhist. I've been Buddhist my whole life. My mom, my dad, they trained me in Buddhism. That's nice. Come out of her, my people. Oh, but I'm Wicca. I'm astrology. Okay, that's nice. But you have a choice to make. Are you going to stay Catholic? Are you going to stay Buddhist? Are you going to stay Wicca? Are you going to stay in astrology? Or do you wish, do you desire to align yourself with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? whose name was changed to Israel. Do you want to align yourself with him? Because in the last days, he will make himself known. And in the last days, he is already making himself known. And if the answer is yes, that you do desire to align with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made a way. It's through his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. And if that's you, hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And you do exactly that. You commit your life to Christ. You come back and you listen. We grow together. We mature together. And we continue onward to paradise. Paradise. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. Paradise. Paradise. Very specific formula. Very easy, but very specific formula. Mama Sisera. Where is my son? She looks through the window and cried out through the lattice. In verse 28, why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her her why, in verse 29, her wisest ladies answered her. Yes, she answered herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? You see, she knew. She answered herself. She knew. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? You see, in a normal campaign, they'd be dividing the spoil by now. Sisra, you know, the mighty armies of Canaan. By now, they'd be dividing the spoil. To every man, a girl or two, you see, the spoils of war included women. Oh, my son, my son, you know, he should have his spoils by now, his share of women. Notice the heart. This isn't, this isn't the heart. This isn't a heart that fears the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it reflects in how she raised her son. Oh, he should have the spoils of the Israel people right by now. Oh, he should have a couple Israeli girls by now. He should have a couple Jewish girls by now. He should have a couple Hebrew girls by now. This isn't the heart of a person that fears the Lord. It's reflected in how she raised her son, the, the well accomplished commander of the Canaanite army. And now look, he's dead. He's dead. Good job, mom. You failed. Your son is dead. You see? Good job, mom. Dead son. You see? She had a choice to make in how she chose to raise her son. And the fruit of those efforts are reflected in her dead son. To parents. Remember the millstone. And I just echo the words of Jesus who teaches about the millstone. You see, verse 32, every man a girl or two for sister, a plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments, embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter, question mark. Remember, verse 30, are they not finding these? Verse 30, are they not finding and dividing the spoil? No, they found something else. They found something else. What did they find? Let's look at verse 31. Thus, let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun. In the Hebrew, be like the brilliancy of the sun when it comes out in full strength. You see? This is prophetic of the glorified body when incorruption and immortality are put on. But among the living today, there are saints who already shine brightly. Saints who have oil for their lamps and their lamps shine beautifully and gloriously. In closing, the end of verse 31, so the land had rest for 40 years. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.